As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Long ago, before this day's confusion did begin. Throughout the stars did we go wandering Distance was no barrier And time it had no hope Free to come And free to go Free to come And free to Open up the book, the book of stars. Open up the book. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Karmic Evolutions Astrologically Speaking. I'm your host, Sherry Horn Hassan of Karmic Evolution Astrology, coming to you on December 6, 2018, from Contact Talk Radio. Just a reminder to uh, a quick reminder that this show aims to bring you the truth about astrology and your soul's karmic evolution. Today, my guest is professional astrologer Michael Bartlett, who's here to talk about his upcoming book and the nature and meaning of planets when they fall on an angle in your chart. I will, of course, introduce Michael shortly, but first, here's a look at this week's astro news you can use. So today, December 6th, we've got Mercury and Scorpio stationing direct. Hooray! Mercury retrograde is over, at least until the next Mercury retrograde, which occurs next year. So we have a little bit of a breather. Uh, you may recall that I told everyone last week that Mercury retrograde entered secretive Scorpio on December 1st and that this energy would bring more hidden secrets to light and then broadcast them. So anyone watching the news will have seen that the CIA's recent briefing of U.S. senators on the Saudi dissident Yamal Khashoggi's death led to their unequivocal conclusion that his death was plotted by and carried out on the orders of the royal prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, often referred to as MBS. So 
you guys know I'm not talking politics because I have a personal preference for it, but I like to illustrate how the energies up in the heavens affect the collective and the larger players within the collective, which always come in the form of our presidents, our kings, our monarchs, our leaders, our despots, or whoever, and our celebrities. So we look to the wider stage to see that the energy of Jupiter, which is now in Sagittarius, is casting a light on many of these dignitaries. I mean, it does during the normal part of the year as well. But since Jupiter entered Sagittarius um, a month ago, we have, you know, 13 months of this kind of energy where there's a lot of um, spotlight on larger than life people. So this information that came to light and had been um, kind of not accepted by President Trump, who really announced that, you know, maybe the prince of Saudi Arabia did and maybe he didn't order this murder uh, of the journalist who actually defected to the U.S. um, since last year and who resided in Virginia and is also a journalist, which is what makes this story even more interesting. Jupiter, of course, and Sagittarius both are about media and journalism. So, you know, again, I'm pointing out the themes that are in the heavens right now. So Trump's reluctance to condemn the Saudi prince has to do with, well, you guessed it, money. And Mercury and Scorpio unleashed the truth about this ordered murder based on the indisputable conclusion of our CIA. And you either believe the organization charged by your nation to figure out covert activity abroad, Jupiter is also foreign affairs, or you do not. So um, I just wanted to point that out. But either way, Mercury's turnabout for the next several months uh, in direct motion signals its full speed ahead for the time being, and that communication will once again begin to flow freely this next week. And wouldn't you know that Mercury Direct occurs just prior to December 7th, Sagittarius New Moon, or December 8th, depending on your time zone, which invites us to plant seeds that will blossom into the concrete manifestation of our grand vision and grand plans. Now, the Gemini full moon on November 22nd or 23rd, again, depending on your exact time zone, told us to release any plans or parts of our big plans for the future that do not make logical sense or have proven unworkable, especially during the past three weeks of Mercury's retrograde when we were to review, reanalyze, and revise these plans. So tomorrow's Sagittarius new moon allows us to take these revised, more workable seed plans and to put them in the ground, water and tend them, and watch them grow to successful fruition. The fruits of our labor are most likely to become visible by the next Sagittarius full moon on or around July 17th of 2019. However, at this Sagittarius new moon, we also have Mars conjoining with Neptune, both in Pisces, and being squared, the sun and the moon are at 15 Sagittarius, 15 degrees, and just past the square to this Mars-Neptune 
meeting in the sky. So we want to watch out or beware of over-optimism at this time. Jupiter is such an expansive energy, and the Jupiter new moon can be so optimistic that this energy lends itself to that optimism, but not in a way that's really kind of uh, reality-based or factually grounded. So don't forget that the steps to your long-term overall goals need definition and specifics in order to succeed. And the Mars-Neptune squared by the new moon energy of the moon and the sun in Sagittarius can cause us to lack clarity. As Mars's energy may lack its usual vigor in the water sign Pisces. Whenever I talk about Mars and Pisces, I'm always reminded of my first astrology teacher's advice. She had Mars and Pisces natally, and she often said, Mars and Pisces is like trying to hammer a nail with a dead fish. So it's not necessarily a negative energy, and I'm not trying to say it is. Nothing is negative. We look at uh, archetypes in terms of high and low, or I do, and you know, and a little bit negative positive. But we can turn anything that we deem to be negative into a positive. It just takes a little bit of thinking outside the box. So Mars and Pisces is not a negative energy per se, but it means we're better off opening ourselves up to the meditative process and allowing ourselves to receive in yin fashion rather than forcing something to occur. So pay attention to your intentions at this Sagittarius new moon. You may declare them by writing them down or meditating upon them during the 48-hour period following the exact lunation, which occurs at 11.20 p.m. Pacific time on December 7th and 2.20 a.m. Eastern time on December 8th. Now, again, this is a great time for visualization as well, as long as these are not too, you know, your, your visualizations are not too unrealistically pie in the sky. Um, it's a great time, too, for engaging in any creative endeavor, from the fine arts to music and dance, poetry or other writing, uh, to, ch- to charitable activities or finding ways to give back to those who've helped you or yours in the past. You've heard me say before, I mean, Jupiter's in Sag, Mercury's in the sign ruled by Sagittarius when it, it, it uh, enters Sagittarius again on the 12th. And this is a great time for writers. I've, you know, uh, I mentioned that because uh, oftentimes in classic astrology texts or even online and other astrology columnists that you might read, they will tell you the negative side of Mercury in Sagittarius, which is that, you know, I mean, I'm going to get into that a little bit, but, you know, it's hoof and mouth disease. We exaggerate too much. Um, but I find that the best writers are the ones, and you know, I'm a professional writing coach and editor, so I feel like I know whereof I speak at least a little bit. They are just, they stop just short of going over the top in their descriptions or their ways of illuminating things. But so Mercury and Sag is a good opportunity for anyone who wants to put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard or what have you and try their hand at any kind of written creative um, outlet. And again, any other creative outlet and whatever you may deem that to be. And um, at this 
Sagittarius new moon, as we've seen during the past few lunations, we still got Venus, though this time in Scorpio, she's moved forward from Libra after she came out of her retrograde on November 16th, moving forward in Scorpio now, opposite Uranus retrograde in Aries, and square the transiting karmic nodes of Capricorn in Cancer. I mentioned last week on the show the social unrest in places like France, and though this revolution has brought people out into the streets of Paris, where they rioted this past weekend, um, although it seems this, this revolution has been quelled for the moment, it's unlikely to go away anytime soon. The point of that astrologically is to say that this uh, this square of Uranus to the nose, which which uh, represents things like the collective and revolution, and overthrowing the old so that something new can be instituted, is um, rampant in different places in the world. It's also undoubtedly going to be reflected. I mentioned this last week too in the new U.S. Democratic-ruled House of Representatives when they're sworn in after the new year. So watch for the revolutionary factions in this legislative body. Jupiter and Sag for the next year is about both politics and expansion, after all, to exert their influence and demand to be heard. And the point I was making about the French is that their discontent with government policies has been made quite clear particularly through the recent violence, and which is reminiscent of 1968, they say, over there. And we all know, those of us who either are old enough to remember or have done our, our work reading our history books, that 1968 was, was uh, and 69 were times of huge student riots here in the United States, particularly in um, uh, making our voices or the citizens' voices heard uh, against the Vietnam War. So these energies are recurring in a sense, and Uranus's square to the nodes is triggering another period of social unrest. How long that period lasts, we do not yet know. So keep your eyes on that. Wounded healer Chiron also stations direct in Pisces on December 8th or 9th. Again, depending on your time zone, there's only three hours between the East and the West Coast. And I'm speaking mainly to Americans. But if you're in another country, you have to look up, you know, the exact time. Um, But this is going to allow any healing that we've engaged in over the past few months while Chiron was retrograde to manifest more concretely as we bravely make our way into the future, letting go of old wounds and sorrows from both this lifetime and past ones can pave the way for less pain and grief and greater happiness as we move forward in this lifetime. If we're able to lay down some of our burden now, we may well feel much lighter over this coming holiday period and as time goes by. So the optimism of the Jupiter-ruled Sagittarius new moon is followed by Mercury's entrance into Sagittarius once again on December 12th. Now, we may in fact return to perhaps too much communication along with the possibility, as I said before, of putting our foot in our mouths if we speak before we think. So easy does it because Mercury and Sag is known to be an exaggerative energy And we might not want to hold everyone to everything they say 
or to have everyone else hold us to everything we say during this period until Mercury enters more serious Capricorn on January 4th of 2019. Till then, watch out that over-exuberance doesn't open the floodgates of communication so wide that it washes away or totally obscures or overshadows your main messages. And I think I jumped the gun a little bit when I was talking to people about their creativity and writing, but this is the period from December 12th to January 4th when you should be able to indulge or engage in the creative endeavor, endeavors, particularly writing while Mercury is in Sag. So use that energy in that way but try not to promise everybody all the things you're going to do or all the things you're going to going to buy for Christmas and New Year's and Hanukkah and all the other holidays. Um, and that brings me to my final point, which is uh, to also make sure you watch your wallet during this holiday season, because with so much Sagittarius energy in the sky leading up to the new year, extravagant feelings may lead to extravagant promises which in turn lead to extravagant purchases. Even though Mercury retrograde um, is is over, you know, tomorrow or today, the 6th, um, you still may find yourself forgetting that your bank account might not actually cover the amount you want to spend while your good cheer may obscure your financial you know, uh, situation during this holiday period. So just be careful. Make sure you check your balance and your bank account and your credit card, um, you know, what you've racked up thus far in the credit card for this month before you uh, charge into the store. <laughs> credit card in hand, grabbing up everything you see and bringing it to the register. Okay, now I just want to do a brief commercial and remind my listeners that from now until December 31st, I'm offering my Karmic Evolution Natal Insight reading at a discount. This is a special one-hour, $99 discounted reading, and it's designed to help you gain greater consciousness about your soul's true mission and purpose in this lifetime, and to help you move from chaos to clarity in your relationships, your career, your finances, or in the realm of your health. So to get a jump on healing old karmic wounds and patterns, and awaken to your true potential and highest destiny in this lifetime through astrological insight, email me at sherry at karmicevolution.com. That's S-H-E-R-I at karmicevolution.com and book your reading today at almost half the regular price. Conscious awareness has never been so easy or so affordable. And now I'd like to introduce my guest who has of course been waiting very patiently. Michael Bartlett's readings and teaching bring a grounded and well-rounded exoteric and esoteric astrological understanding to his clients and students. Deeply intuitive and insightful, Michael blends his nature to his readings and teachings after studying with renowned astrologers such as Alan Oaken and Aaron Sullivan, as well as Jason Holly and Tom Brady. His background in core energetics gives him the ability to help clients look at, process, and resolve their deeper issues. Michael co-created Astro Theater, an app which represents astrology in a visual manner. He's working on his book, Astrological Mavericks, Do You Have What It Takes to Change the World?, which looks at the impact of planets on the angles. Michael also teaches 
Astrology at the Kepler College of Astrology. Welcome, Michael. How are you today? Great to be back. Thank you so much for having me, Sherry. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so pleased to have you. I miss you. <laughs> I, know, I miss you. It's so great to see you at UAC and get my um, my hug that only happens every few years now. It seems. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll have to arrange it that we get that we uh, we attend the same conference more frequently, right? I agree. I agree completely. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So I want to focus on this book that you're writing because it sounds so interesting. So you know, tell me a little bit about it. How did you decide to write about? what you call astrological mavericks, and what do you mean by that term exactly? Well, it, it kind of was a, a bit of a long, drawn-out process. I had my um, first reading when I was around 18, 19 years old in Santa Cruz from an astrologer named Michael Galen, and, um, you know, it kind of set things in motion. But one of the things that I just didn't really notice too much about myself was the fact that I have uh, Mars on the midheaven. I, you know, I'd always wonder, like, you know, I have a Scorpio moon, so, you know, people would tell me I'm intense, of course, you know, but I never really understood the pushiness quality or the insertion like quality with which I used my, which I use my Mercury, uh, Mars energy. So, mm -hmm. um, so it kind of led me into this straight and then, you know, learning from Aaron Sullivan about uh, Michel Gogolan's work, you know, with the Mars, uh, Mars quadrants and Mars sector. Um, ah, I started, let me slow you down just for a second sure. because I don't know how many of our listeners will understand what you just said. And I know that uh, the Gogans were brothers who did statistical research on astrological aspects, right? Yes, exactly. Right, and they've looked at Mars, and they came up with like they looked at famous uh, athletes and and military heroes, right, and correlated that with Mars in certain places or signs in the chart. Exactly. So ah. it was, so really, you know, it was one of these things. You know, he went kind of about trying to disprove uh, astrology, but they, um, but the, he ended up finding you know these factors which are really so resonant. So it kind of just kind of set me on this thing about looking and, and kind of having this experience. And I started looking through, you know, I just started doing a little bit of search, trying to find different people with planets on the angles. And so I went through astro.com or solar fires um, database actually, and did each planet on each angle. So, you know, the angles, when we talk about the angles of the chart, you know, you can consider it uh, the cross of incarnation or you can call it, you know, the um, the angles, you know, angles of experience or relationship. We start out with our ascendant, which is the sign that is on the eastern horizon the moment we're born. Um, we go down to the southern part of the chart, which is the IC, the MM Chelly. We go to the across from the ascendant is the descendant where we have relationship to other. And then at the top of the chart, at the highest point of the chart, we have what's called the uh, midheaven or the MC, which is, you know, kind of our calling or our path in life. And so when I did these, it's um, 48 positions per planet. Um, I did all the planets, including Chiron. So it's 528 combinations. And what I found was that there were, were almost all the people I'd ever really heard of who were known for having these tight kind of quirky kind of personalities just started showing up in, you know, kind of in spades. Mm -hmm. And, and it's this interesting thing. And it's similar because I think, you know, in our society, you know, there's a way we really value the individual. And then there's a way we really value people not stretching too far out there and not being gaining too much attention, of course, you know, and, and, and what the thing is, when people have these planets on the angle, when you're born with a planet on one of your angles, you're filled with more of a, you're almost like a mouthpiece or an action piece for that planet. 
mm-hmm. a spokesperson, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And in a way, you know, that's kind. Of, it can be really challenging and hard for the people around you. But but I find the other interesting thing with it is I find that other people who have planets on the angles tend to hang out with other people who have planets on the angles because there's certain energetic kind of characteristics that we kind of share oh, as well. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> that's like instead of hey baby, what's your sign? It's like, hey, do you have a planet on the angle? You have Mars on the angle? You have Venus on the angle? Oh, I do too. You know, Wouldn't you that never, be a good match? <laughs> no, but as astrologers, we like we hear, you know, oh, you have a Cancer moon, so do I. What degree is your moon, right? Or, you know, you have a sun and I have a moon. What degrees? Because you want to see if they're near each other because it's a sign of compatibility. But I never hear anybody talk about like, hey, do you have, you know, Mars, uh, Venus on your descendant, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, but it's but it's this thing that it's like, but the interesting thing in that sense, too, is it's almost the experience I've had is like people have, they wear it, but they're not aware of it. Mm. You know, like when we talk about we don't know who discovered water, but it probably wasn't fish. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that, but okay. <laughs> you never heard that before? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. a wonderful, it's it's a great way to um, kind of look at it. it um, because it, it's like the person's really engaged and are engulfed in that energy. There, we're, um, we don't, and I think what I was talking about earlier as far as how society doesn't like it in a way, but there's a way we that people with planets in the angle shape society. Um uh-huh. And also a way in which you know that it's hard because it really requires, I, I think, a strong individual to be able to not be put down, you know, or shut down with it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are some of the generals? You know, I, I wrote general specifics, which then I realized was kind of funny. But you know, <laughs> just generalities about what our listeners could better understand about having any planet on any angle, aside from what you just said. I mean, does it make it? You know, like like uh, many of us know that the ascendant is the face or, that we or the mask that we present to the world. So, is a planet on that angle sometimes very visual? Like, would you say the same thing with the ascendant or the? the I see where things are more hidden. Like what is it that they all have in common about being on an angle? That's a really good point because one of the things I was kind of hoping to find was that there'd be more of a particularized energy because it's on a different angle, say meaning that people who have planets on the descendant would act a little differently than where they would with planets on the, on the IC. Mm-hmm. But I actually don't find there's really that much of a difference. There's a difference in the way that kind of it's seen, but it, it's still, it's, it's almost like you can't hide your, you, 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 it's a Freudian slip. You can't hide. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I just got and, an image of Freud in the slip, you know, <laughs> which I mean, I'm sure he would love. <laughs> right, right. That's hysterical. <laughs> and, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, one of my examples I like to use and I'll, and I'll start out this way because I, I, and I don't, you know, I've got it in visual form, but I'll just, I'll read it, but same placement, opposite expression. Both of these men had defined ideas about the other. Mm-hmm. Both men redefined what relating to the other meant and both affected countless millions of people. Mm. One of them is, is the gentleman we just said. Mm-hmm. Freud. The other is uh, Adolf Hitler. Oh, wow. They both have sun 
uh, sun in Taurus on the descendant. Ah, uh-huh. And so yeah. it, it, I, I'm up to Jupiter in my in what I've read so in, in as far as what I'm studying so far mm-hmm. in researching. But I haven't, you know. So when I get into these outer planets, I'm really excited to see kind of a little bit more. You know, especially when it gets out to Pluto. You know, that to me is such a, you know, you know from the evolutionary work. I mean, the Pluto is just such an activation element. But it just seems that regardless what it is, there's just a way. There's, it, it's almost like the person can't help but be this way. Right, but it's interesting because, well, I have two questions, but, sure. um, well, let me go with, with my, what, what the, where I was going to go originally, and then the second question is what popped into my head, so let me save that. But um, So are you saying that there there is or there isn't a difference between having an inner planet, which we know of as the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, or Mars, on an angle versus... Saturn or Jupiter, which are kind of the bridge planets, or an outer planet, or have you not gotten there yet, you know, in terms of Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto? If you have Mars on the eye on the midheaven and someone else has Uranus on the descendant or the IC, are there vast differences because one is a personal planet and the other an outer planet? Well, that's actually a really exciting question, and I have to admit that I haven't gotten to that point yet because I'm just actually on to Jupiter with Midheaven. So Mm -hmm. just as an example of what I'm doing, I'm taking those 528 example planetary alignment examples, and I've gone through and gotten individuals who have these placements, and then I'm finding anecdotal evidence that represents that placement for the book. Mm, Okay. So So it's... So it's basically to, to show that there's this archetypal range of expression. And I, I'm hoping, I would think that I would see um, more of this, you know, I, I would expect that I would see a difference in the outer planets. And one of the things I'm considering that probably would happen is that those things would probably happen a little later in a person's life. Mm, yeah, you know what I, I mean? Because I think it takes, so. yeah, it takes a while to mature enough to be able to relate to the outer planets, I feel. Yeah, and I also wonder if those people are mouthpieces for the collective, mm-hmm. you know, especially, well, all of them, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, you know. Yeah. Well, let me, let me, well, you know, I mean, I don't no, know. brings up a great point. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, they, in that sense where I'm finding that these people are mouthpieces for these inner planets, I mean, on the outer ones, I mean, I'm expecting to see, you know, w- once I got to Jupiter, you know, I'm starting to see things like, you know, Sri Aurobindo, you know, it's wonderful to see you know, this, this larger understanding that's starting to come out of it, you know, which is really great. Not as much, you know, like, for example, our president right now, he has Mars on his ascendant in Leo. I mean, he's, he's a prime example of that hyper-expression of a very self-centering, self-focused, self-desire-driven individual. Yeah, it's funny. I'm Mars and Leo. I think um, I'm trying to remember. I had a friend when I was first starting out and I was collecting everybody's charts and she had, I think, Mars and Leo in the first house. And it was just like, it's kind of like loud and proud. You know, it's like no matter where they are, Right. You could hear them. Right. You know? And she was a 12th house Gemini son. So she wasn't like always out there, you know. But when she spoke, you knew she was speaking. She roared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let me ask you then, yes. what uh, what have you? Let's go to Jupiter for a second. Um, okay. If you're comfortable with that, sure. you know, yeah. 
Yeah. What have you been finding since Jupiter's in Sag now until next December? And, you know, we've got this short-term Mercury in Sag and uh, um, Venus is going to move into Sag, right? So right. What, what, um, what have you found about people who have Jupiter on an angle? What's really funny about Jupiter is this... Um, I'm having this interesting experience, you know, and there's a tradition where we talk about the planets being in detriment or in fall when they're in certain signs. And what I'm finding is that, and you probably, I don't know if you look at this from, from your astrological standpoint, but I see the planets in fall and detriment as being in detriment and fall to the personality, meaning that there's requirements for then the soul to come through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it really shows up very, very perfectly along with these when the planets are on the angle. It's like, to me, it's like they're really almost forced to go through and learn the things that are have to, you know, have to be done. Like, you know, Jupiter in Capricorn on the descendant, Merv Griffin. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what a perfect a perfect. We're dating you know, ourselves now, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Well, I'm going to date us a little further, um, Montgomery okay. Cliff. Whoa! You know, um, <laughs> who's the other one in here? Um, Jonathan Winters. Oh, wow. And, w- and what's interesting with those three individuals is there was this interesting thing about them with their, um, with sexuality. Uh-huh. And when you think about, one of the things I'm also coming to find too, you know, what we don't talk about typically with Capricorn is Capricorn isn't just Mr. Businessman. Piz- uh, Capricorn's also Pan. Ah, uh. Uh-huh. And it's not really spoken of much in our society anymore. And so you have these what, what we find with people who have, you know, Jupiter and Capricorn, there's this there's this drive for success, but it's also there's this this lustiness, of course. You know, Jupiter, I mean, they're you know, you're you're kind of wanting for what's out there, what's out there in life, and you want what's not yours sometimes, or you're you know, or you're just wanting to be physical. And there's just this this expression that happens with this, um, with this placement, you know, I think. Go ahead. I missed your reference to the sexuality with those three gentlemen. Are you were you comparing all of them? I don't know what you. Yes, were... all all three of them were. You know, they were very successful in their business, but you know, they lived in a time where it wasn't okay for them to um, to be out being gay or to have huh? you know or so being bisexual. So you just taught me something I didn't know. I had no idea about Merv Griffin. I didn't either. That's the great thing about all this research. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Winters, I didn't I didn't know about any of them, but I'm not shocked. And Montgomery Clift, I, well, I only course. remember I mean, I know his name, I know who he is, but I don't remember seeing a lot of him. He was my, you know, our parents' day. But um interesting but it, an easier now, one and maybe our, our more recent you know more of our viewers are, would resonate with this because i find what's other the other thing that's funny is that people who have these planets and the angles especially when they're actresses or actresses they end up playing these parts that are just ideal for their placement kenneth mm-hmm. branagh plays in the uh, harry potter series gilderoy lockhart you know he's that very flamboyant astrologer who goes i mean not sorry <laughs> magician yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> wasn't that great well, that was his ex-wife wasn't it who played the astrologer Emma Thompson? Right, exactly. She yeah. was the one who did that. She was the psychic, exactly. <laughs> right, right, but what's but he does this thing where he goes around bragging about all of his accomplishments, and what he does is the people who, you know, he ends up taking these stories from, he just gives them he gives them a dose of 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 memory loss so they don't remember what it is that happens. And you know, what are what people with Jupiter and Capricorn can do because you know if they're successful businessmen, you know, tie you up in business and in court for a long time. Ah, you know, take you know, take advantage of people because there's a there can be a greed aspect, right, with Jupiter and Capricorn. 
Yeah, interesting because you remind me when you talk about Pan, it's funny. I have Liz Green's mythological tarot deck. Mm. And in that, the tarot card, the major arcana, um, I think it's, um, oh God, not the devil. Yeah, the devil. Um, She has, she likens it to Capricorn and to Pan. And that is because of what you just said, that there's this lustiness, you know, it's the mm-hmm. God of nature, right? I mean, exactly. you know, you yeah. go out and you drink, it's like everything all encapsulated in one. You go out and drink the wine made from the fruits of the vine and you go out and you have sex and, you know, you, you procreate and you just, you play the little pipe, right? Doesn't he have a little pipe? Like, yeah, the pan uh, pipe, yep. Yeah, the yeah. Zither, the zither. Right, he's creating yeah. music, and he yeah. takes and thing makes it out of the reeds or something like that, which are right. you know part of nature. So yeah, very very interesting because she likens it to um, the reason she uses the devil card is that it it has to do with the temptations on the physical plane, exactly. you know. So yeah, and, and Jupiter, and what better than Jupiter and Capricorn is an example of that, right? Because yeah. Jupiter, yeah. Jupiter, want, I mean, Jupiter doesn't want to fill any boundaries. Jupiter. In, in when you think of the planets, you know, ev- developmentally, Jupiter hasn't, Ju- we haven't learned boundaries until we get to Saturn. Right. All right. You know, so it's a, it's a fun thing on that. Well, but let Jupiter- me have- oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. You finished what you were going to say. I was just going to go with another, ex- another couple of examples, but I'm fine with. No, no, that's okay. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking the next one I was going to say was Jupiter and Aries on the midheaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you think about that as like, you know, really heady, you know, people who, you know, kind of are being control, Al Pacino, mm, mm-hmm. you know, and he kind of put himself on the map playing Michael Corleone in the Godfather series, right? Right, right. Absolutely. And then Anatoly Kasparovsky, the Russian psychotherapist, you know, who did the whole thing in, in, in Russia was, you know, had, he was able to somehow he's able to get on the airwaves. He also has another place. He's got two more placements for, um, planets on the angles but he was able to get on and do this thing of like getting people to do you know bending the spoon collectively and doing things Uh, okay very interesting (laughs) yeah yeah uh angelina jolie and when you think about her in the tomb raider series Mm -hmm. that's jupiter and aries for a woman right you know going in there and saving things and going you know doing the right thing you know kind of she's almost kind of like an amazon kind of a quality woman to her anyway that's kind of what one of the qualities she's known for Right, right. Well, also her saving the orphan children. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a feminine warrior. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, you're making me. Th- I just realized where we were talking, and I'm sorry to do this, my my wonderful audience, because I know I've brought him up once or twice before. But my own son, my child, <laughs> he's got Jupiter and Sag on his IC. Mm. Um, yeah, and. Our charts are similar. Sagittarius, Jupiter rules my fourth house. I always equated it to being a child of immigrants, although my parents weren't immigrants. They were first American, first generation Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and many, you know, many of us, at least here on the East Coast, I grew up with a lot of people who were, you know, parents were first generation. Yep. So, um, but he's got the Jupiter and his father is foreign born. And, um, I don't know. The family was involved in some of his father's side are involved in international politics. Mm. So I don't know if you have anything that you want to add to Jupiter on the. Yeah. On the um, you know, musician Herb, a musician Herb Albert. Ah, uh-huh. 
um, Elton John. Nice. And one of his statements is, I think people should be free to engage in any sexual practices they choose. They should have, they should draw the line at goats though. (laughs) (laughs) And another line, it's the circle of life and it moves us all through despair and hope through faith and love till we find our place on the path unwinding. I mean, that Jupiter Scorpio statement is perfect, isn't it? Yeah. And, and OJ Simpson. Oh, wow. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then, now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, 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 but what's interesting too is what I find the, the inter- one thing that I will say that I have found with IC and is kind of, I'm giving, it's giving me goosebumps right now mm-hmm. are, are some of the, the greatest science fiction writers have like Jupiter or another planet on their IC. Wow, interesting. And usually, like in like Virgo or um, Virgo, Virgo was one, and and Scorpio, of course. There's just there's something about the and when I think about the Virgoan aspect, it's like, and I think again, Jupiter is um, in um, fall in Virgo. Exactly. But when you think about when it's at the IC, I think of the IC as who we are behind closed doors at home. You know, it's kind of like, our, it's in a way, it's it's this weird kind of reverse 12th house thing. And it might be because my 12th house is my fourth. I mean, my, I have Pisces in the fourth house. Um, mm-hmm. But, and my and I'm Sag rising. So I understand what you guys are saying about the Sag aspect part earlier. Um, mm-hmm. But delving back into, and I just lost my train. <laughs> All right. Well, let me, let me just say one thing. I mean, Jupiter and Virgo, which you mentioned with the, one of the science fiction writers that, it feels a little like Mercury and Sag to me because Jupiter is expansive, but Virgo is so detail-oriented. So Virgo is a reader and also can be a writer. You know, it's, it's, right. it's more of the editor, really, but somebody who pays attention to the details. So in a way, if, it, if the person, um, I guess, handles it correctly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the best of both worlds. We're always looking at the worst of both worlds, right. you know, which is, like I said, Mercury and Sag right now, or soon, you know, by next right. week, would be like the hoof and the mouth disease. It's right. like, oh, my God, totally. look at you. And you say, what? Totally get you it. look so yeah. fat. You know, yeah. it's like, that's not okay. Well, but- like, you, and you talk about Jupiter and Virgo on the IC, three examples, and it's an interesting, two of them go along with together, Gene Roddenberry, you know, of course, Star Trek fame, Chris Carter, X-Files, and uh-huh. Jane Mansfield. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you can see, but see, there's, there. you can see, what I think with the archetype of, of Virgo, too, is there's this multiplicity aspect. And with mm-hmm. Jupiter there, it's higher philosophy. So it's like this ability, and at the IC, I just think it's that ability to go deep within ourselves into, into like almost like an indeterminate number of universes. That's interesting because Virgo also, you know, has the connotation of the girl next door, the natural right. woman. And you made me think of Jane Mansfield. And some people listening may not know who that is either right. because she's an older <laughs> person. But she was on commercials in the, what, 60s and 70s for the uh, Playtex um, bra. So I suppose, I mean, she was a beauty, but, you know, um, that's a very natural, you know, down-to-earth yep. girl next door kind of um way to you know use your talents but also the bra itself was very plain you know so very basic Mm -hmm. so that's interesting you know and also i think for full full formed gals right that was what they were (laughs) marketing i think too yeah yeah yeah, jupiter but the virgo is more like you know 
so I, I'm the girl next door and I have a, a, a large, you know, frame. I mean, I'm sure. voluptuous. <laughs> so I will advertise that, you know. Interesting. So now, do you yeah. use any particular orb to define a planet's conjunction? You know, some astrologers have very wide orbs and some have very narrow ones. I'm a wide orb kind of gal. I'll say Definitely. that. Just wondering if you use a particular orb in well, your research. I went in into it with an idea that I was going to do five degree orbs for non-luminaries, meaning the planets other than the sun and the moon, and 10 degrees for the sun and the moon. Mm -hmm. About halfway through, I realized my settings were a little more generous than I had intended. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm still finding I'm still finding statistical evidence for what my original thesis says for it. So I'm actually kind of I think stretching my thesis to allow for the fact that that these I think that it's going to be angular houses. You know, mm -hmm. in a sense, it's almost okay. like some of them I've gone back and, and I've looked at it and I've gone, oh, my God, this one's actually 12 degrees, which how how the how the computer program pulled that out. I don't even understand. But the person is still showing up in that way. So there must be some sort of a way that's still affecting. And again, like we talked about earlier with Michelle Gauguin, with talking about the 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 quadrants or the, you know, these these zones. Mm hmm. That you know where planets fall into this range is is where there seems to be like a very strong influence on, in our in, in our own personal individual lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's so interesting. Well, fourth house too. If we just go back to that for a minute, is moon ruled? It's Cancer domain. Yep. So there's that privacy. There's that sensitivity. There's that maternal and you know protective. But then, as you pointed out, it's a psychological house because it's. You know what? What we were affected by uh, from birth right. and our early years. So it's a very interesting house in that respect. And uh, I would assume that perhaps uh, a, a planet on that angle, in particular, might be something we have inherited. You know, more so perhaps than than the MC or the descendant. Well, we might make that case for the ascendant. I might say, you know, just common sense might say, gee, I wonder if you inherit something that's on the ascendant too, because you're kind of born into it. Right, right. Um, so, well, and the ascendant to me is one of the most magical places in the chart because it's that place where we go from nothingness to individuality. You know, the moment before birth, we're still part of our mother. You know, so far, everyone on the planet's, you know, been born that way. You know, I don't know how much longer that's going to be the case. Right. Uh, especially with Uranus and Taurus. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, you know, it's going to be, you know, but up until this point, you know, we're all, we are all here, be, you know, through that process. Right, right. Um, now, you mentioned that you are tracking Chiron, too. Have you gotten to that? No, Chiron I'll be doing between Saturn and Uranus, so um, he's, he's he's hanging out there about um, 90 planets, 90 rounds away. <laughs> <laughs> any guesses? Would you like to make any guesses? We'll Let see. me see if I've done, you know, because in the beginning, uh, you know, being a Sagittarian rising, um, I kind of have this kind of wandering way that I do things. So there was a while when I was kind of going through and I was kind of randomly picking people. You know, mm -hmm. for these different parts. So um, I can actually, let's see. I've got the people listed, so that's the real easy part. Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, one like one of the angles is Karen, C Karen Silkwood. 
Ah, woman uh, who should Chiron has Chiron in one of her ring on uh, oh on the ascendant in Libra. So I mean, ah. look and look what she did. She literally, you know, she gave up her life trying to help help make it right for all of her coworkers. Right, right, yeah, partners, partnership. Any yeah. particular arrangement or any particular uh, particular combination? Oh, of Chiron. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess a Chiron, well, Chiron's going to move back shortly into Aries. So let's look at that because I view that as uh, people who, well, first of all, I mean, Chiron is the wounded healer, but we want to focus on the healer part, you know? I mean, to, I, I think of it that way. I think we heal our own wounds when we go out and we attempt to help others heal from either the same or similar wounds. And it's a very charitable kind of orientation once we're, we become conscious of it. And in Aries, for the next, what, seven, eight years, once it goes back in, early next year, we've got um, the wound around not being able to express ourselves freely. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's anyone, you know, Chiron and Aries on an angle, I would think would be someone who... Um, would draw attention to themselves by either being uh, a spiritual leader in a way that's, you know, that gets attention, you know what I mean? That allows right. a group behind it. I'm thinking of somebody like Martin Luther King. Who well, it's funny because actually when we get to, um, on, on the, uh, on the IC, we have Malcolm X. Ah, I just saw him a second uh-huh. ago. So he's Mal- yeah, Mal- Malcolm X, Chiron and Aries on the IC and Diane Arbus. Huh, okay. You know, now, Malcolm X, I know his father, you know, is a preacher who wanted to get together uh, people to go take them back to Africa and settle in Liberia. Right. So that's interesting. It's like healing the wound. I mean, and it's, you know, it, ancestral in the sense of where you came from. You know, not ancestral as in the 12th house, right. but ancestral as in your little literal ancestry. Right. Um, so we- that makes sense to me. Yeah, and we talked about Chiron and Aries um, on the Ascendant. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a, a person in Perry Cross who's a quadriplegic inspirational speaker. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's exquisite. Yes. yes, that's excellent. I have seen him talk, or, you know, online. That's right. wonderful. Yeah. Lee Iacocca. Ah, okay. Which is kind of interesting. I mean, because he... Now, yeah, with the car and, situation in the news. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. but also too, when you think about it, I mean, he was brought in when Chrysler was going to lose it. So I mean, he was actually kind of brought in to heal a wounded car company and actually turned it around. Right, right. Well, and um, and and uh, and our our uh, ice skating star Nancy Kerrigan. Ah, uh huh. And how I mean. And yeah, here, you know, this, is the one who got hit by Tanya. What's her name? Yeah, right? Exactly. And so when you think about it, so here's Chiron and Aries. I mean, the other thing people need to understand with Chiron and Aries is that likely a person with Chiron and Aries likely at some point in their life is going to have some sort of an attack to their appearance, right? Mm-hmm. Likely their likely their head when it mm-hmm. comes to Aries. Right. Or related you know? to blood. Yeah. Or scarring. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here's Nancy Kerrigan who, you know, got, you know, I think right. she got whacked in the knee or something, was yes, it? Yes, yes. I think Tanya, what was her? I just saw her. They made a movie about Tanya her. Tanya Harding. Yeah, she got Harding a movie, but Knight. Nancy didn't. <laughs> I think she had somebody, you know, attack her. Yeah, exactly. Like outside the arena while they were already actually at the Olympics, I think. 
being yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Interesting. And um, so, when do you expect this book is going to be ready for publication, oh, my dear? So I started working on this back in 2015, thinking it would be this real simple project, and I didn't realize what I'd gotten myself into. So I'm really, I loved what you were saying earlier about, you know, Jupiter and Mercury and Sagittarius and, you know, the move forward, because I actually am feeling quite a boon. I've been, I've really gotten back in, and plus I'm working on Jupiter right now, so it's being really wonderful to help me get the, um, you know, get back in the groove again, because, you know, it, it's it's challenging to sit here and, you know, do it. And then sometimes I'm sitting here and I'll look up people, and some, and I'm not really good with names with people. So, you know, a lot of people I, I might not recognize, so I'll look up what the person's name is. And then, you know, then it's kind of like delving into the person's life. And my theory is that, you know, it should be something that shows up pretty quickly. And especially if someone's well-known enough, they're, they're usually their quotes or things. And the quotes usually really easily explain, you know, what it is that's being said. You know, mm-hmm. what's being illustrated from the archetype of the arrangement. Right, right. Well, um, we have only a couple minutes left, and so unfortunately, I want to jump to asking what else you're up to now. I believe you're going to be teaching at Kepler, right? And also how people can get in touch with you, whether you're doing um, individual readings, etc. And if you're collecting names, which I would highly recommend you do, you know, where people can get in touch with you if they want to be on a list so that when the book is ready for publication, you will, you know, have them on a list that you can announce it. Yep, definitely. If people would like to contact me at michael at coremichael.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L at core, C-O-R-E, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L.com. I would love to have people contact me. I'm happy to answer any questions as well as put people on the waiting list. Um, I am yeah, teaching a class. In fact, I'm doing a workshop this coming Saturday on working with the wizard moon. I've got a five-week relationship class with Kepler. I'm, I'm going to be starting in January. I'm okay. running for national board for NCGR, uh, hoping to kind of work on – widening the experience, getting people, getting NCGR's name out a little bit more. I've been the president here in Santa Fe for the last two years and really believe in, in, in getting the name out and getting the word out. I think astrology is really getting ready for quite a blossoming and I'd like to be a part of, you know, helping to support that happen from, from the background that I have and the work that I've done. Right. Okay. So NCGR National uh, Council of Geocosmic Research, which is an astrological national and international association. For those who don't know, I highly suggest you look it up. I think it's ncgr.org online. And what's your website, Michael? Do you have a website? Yeah, it's coremichael.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the website for... Let's see, the website for NCGR is actually geocosmic.org. Oh, is it? Okay. I thought I'd... Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, because if you go to G- NCGR, it's a, it's a genome. <laughs> it's National Council of Gen- Genome some Research or something like that. Oh, so really? One's oh, like really right. close in and one's, you know, as above, so below. Right, right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for joining me. I'm excited about your book. Put me on your list so oh, I know when it's signed copy. <laughs> and I'd love to have you on again, uh, of course, because, uh, you know, it may be too long before we're able to hug each other again. So at least I can I can hug talk you. <laughs> talk Definitely. hug. All well, right. I'll be back. I'll be back at the NCGR conference uh, Labor Day, uh, September oh, of 2019. Okay. So that's right in your backyard. So hopefully yes. we'll be seeing we'll, you there. Definitely. Definitely. 
So thank you, and thanks to everyone else for joining me. I hope you've all found the information presented here helpful as you continue your karmic evolution in this lifetime. I hope you'll join me also on December 13th for another episode of Karmic Evolutions, Astrologically Speaking, when I'll be joined by professional astrologer Linda Furiate. So join me then, and until then, may your journey be filled with karmic healing and the joy of greater consciousness. Namaste. Long ago, before this day's confusion did begin Throughout the stars did we go wandering Distance was no barrier And time it had no hope Free to come and free to go Free to come And free to go Open up the book The book of stars Open up the book As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.